remember when I said this? What if Web3 isn't the future? Um, so here's the thing. What if I was wrong? Maybe there are use cases for Web3 tech. And today, that's what we'll consider with Kirby Porter. Let's roll the interview. We're here to talk about a potentially very big use case for Web3, which is always something that I am on the lookout for as a, a Web3 curious individual. But before we get to that, let's get to you, Kirby. I would love to get some introductions here. Tell me more about who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Absolutely. So I'm Kirby Porter. I'm the founder of New Game Labs and W3 Sports. And I would say that my career right now is really focused around the idea of helping athletes leverage technology to excel beyond the court. And that's really kind of been like the premise of everything that's driven me as a creative and in my career before I went all in on, on being a creator full time. Um, but about my background, I grew up playing basketball. I played basketball at Harvard. And when I was there, I got my first footings in the sports industry. So I was interning at Under Armour and the Patriots, and they were both marketing experiences. And that kind of led me to starting and marketing full-time coming out. I was at PepsiCo for two years. I was on our Mountain Dew brand team. I was on our NBA partnerships team. And during those two years, I really felt like I was able to kind of refine my skills as a storyteller, which I would later learn down the line. Oh, that's you know what's so valuable in the you know creator economy is that ability to tell stories and connect and you know build communities around a brand. And I even started exploring with a lot of that while I was full time in those roles. Um, I started my first podcast in 2019. It was called Court to Corporate. It was all about helping athletes transition from you know the sports world to the business world and interviewing other athletes. And um, in 2020, when I joined a, a sports VC firm called Will Ventures, really started to understand how that passion was intersecting with technology. A lot of the research we, was, we were doing was around the creator economy at the time. And it kind of sent another light bulb in my head, similar to the marketing light bulb, like, wait, I'm a creator. Like, wow, like all this content I've been, been producing for free just because I'm, I'm passionate about it. Wow, like there are 50 million creators, if you remember that report from Signal Fire, that are, you know, really turning their brands into businesses. And I was so enamored by that idea and was just obsessive with it, you know, wanted to learn everything that I could to be a better creator. And eventually it was kind of a confluence of learning about that, seeing the evolution of the creator economy into Web3 eventually, um, but also the NIL rule changes, This literally this time last year, when I was like, wow, all of these things are coming together for a new generation of athletes that are really digital natives, that are content creators. There is a whole new playbook to build. And I just felt like I was positioned to build it. So I, I took that leap and here we are. And we love a creator entrepreneur. It's it's so yes. good to have you here, Kirby. <laughs> I'm a fan of your work um, and I, I'm so excited to dig into this conversation. Uh, before we do that though, you know, just for the people who maybe aren't the, the sports fanatics, which I'm sure there are not a ton, but you know, just for good measure. Can you give me like the 30 second, 30,000 foot view of those NIL rule changes from the athlete's yeah, perspective? Absolutely. So before July 2021 of last year, athletes were not able to make money off of their name, image, or likeness. So if you were a student athlete playing in the NCAA, even though everyone around you is making millions, billions of dollars, NCAA men's basketball coaches, salaries are in the millions, TV deals, rights deals in the millions, billions, athletes did not see one cent of that. And furthermore, they were prohibited 
from monetizing anything. Um, they couldn't start a YouTube channel and monetize it because their na their name as an athlete is attached to it. They couldn't start a merch brand. They couldn't launch a business. All of these things just because they were athletes and they were deemed amateurs. And that rule change, um, which it, I feel like it's one of those things we're going to look back on and be like, wait, what? Athletes weren't, weren't allowed to do what? Like, it doesn't even make any sense. But now athletes are able to monetize. So it has really just kind of created a whole new industry and world that I feel like within it, we describe it as like the Wild West right now. It's like we're all figuring it out. We're all trying to help athletes, but it's exciting. Um, but I really think what we see now is just the tip of the iceberg for what's to come. For sure. And I appreciate you bringing up the examples as well, because I think in the business media world, so much of the coverage for the NIL rule change came about with can these athletes sign multi-million dollar brand deals with like Under Armour or Gatorade or, you know, insert some big brand here. But the fact that you couldn't even start a YouTube channel, right, that you couldn't even have a podcast, it's not just right. these blockbuster deals. It's also the things that have become totally normal activities, entrepreneurial or otherwise, for all sorts of people that athletes couldn't participate in that just because they were athletes is, is beyond ridiculous to me. So I agree. I do think we'll return to this at some point and say, I can't believe that that was actually the rule. Um, but let's yeah. talk a little bit about the the interpretation of the athlete as a brand, the athlete as a creator, um, the athlete as, quite frankly, an entrepreneur. From what I understand of your work, Kirby, a lot of, of your interpretation of that athlete has to do with technology. So tell me a little bit more about why the tech focus on the future of the athlete. I mean, you honestly kind of took the words out of my mouth and I was going to be like, wait, I want to talk about that more because... It is so true. If you look at the media over the past year, so much of the narrative and, and narrative drives everything, right? Um, a storyline that I talk about in the sports world is if you rewind the clock 10 years, there was an ESPN documentary called Broke that portrayed professional athletes unable to manage their money going broke three years after you know closing their professional careers. And that was the perception that athletes were not successful businessmen. Fast forward to 2014, athlete-driven media begins to boom, right? You see uninterrupted, Players' Tribune, Boardroom. Now, fast forward, every single athlete has a podcast. They have their own media production company, right? And so you just think about, like, how does narrative impact actions of athletes? And so I think right now with an NIL, it's like we're in the gig economy phase of it. I think about Legion's piece on uh, the passion economy. And as I, I was actually just listening to this podcast where she was talking about how when she wrote it, she felt like it was something that was so obvious that like she wasn't sure. She's like, should I put this out? But I feel like that kind of birthed like where we are today, where it kind of opened creators' eyes to like, wow, like I'm like reliant on brand deals. I'm reliant on these third parties to make a living and it ultimately puts a cap on what you're able to monetize or create or build. And I do think we're in that phase with an NIL right now, right? There's a lot of marketplaces, which are great in terms of like helping athletes with near term solutions. But if you think about it, it kind of commoditizes their individuality. Brands are coming to find a athlete versus I want to partner with insert athlete athletes name because they are a great storyteller, because they are great at TikTok, because they are great at educating athletes on this. And so I think that's an evolution from a brand perspective. But the, the area I'm very, very passionate about is helping athletes leverage technology to become entrepreneurs, like showing the map of the creator economy. Like, 
these are literally all of the tools that you can use to build a, a business around your content, to build a business around your brand. And um, I think it's a, it's a huge unlock. And I'm just excited to create education and content to just kind of bring that to light and hopefully bring athletes from like point A to point B. I understand point B in many cases is uh, a point that involves a lot of Web3 technology, uh, which has been something that you've been been really outspoken about uh, online, on social media, in the content that you create. Why Web3 for athletes? What is this nexus of sports and Web3 tech? Explain it to me a little bit more. Yeah, so I think what really excited me about Web3 when I started like learning about it, going down the rabbit hole, as we all say, is the premise of ownership for creators, right? It allows the originators of IP to retain a larger ideally 100% of the value that they were creating. And so I think such a great example of that is the music industry. And I honestly think the music industry has been so far ahead in adopting this technology. If you think about where the industry was before, I'm not in the music industry, but you know, in order to make it, a, uh, an artist had to sign a record deal, give up their IP, only see a percentage of the royalties on their music. Now they're able to go directly to their their audience. They can find their 1,100 true fans, sell their music as NFTs, get that direct funding from their audience, still use Web2 streaming platforms to gain distribution and hopefully you know, um, grow that fan base over time, but they are not beholden to a middle party in order to reach financial success as a musician and so it's not an exact one-to-one over to the sports industry but if you think about the sports world it's like okay in order for an athlete to make it one you have to be in that two percent you know is what i call it or a lot of us call it the two percent of athletes that go on to play sports professionally got it you got to make it in order to you know get the you know size of, of audience that brand C valuable that you can parlay into business ventures. Um, but I think what we're seeing now is that there's this like new type of athlete coming up that is 18, 19, 20, 21, playing collegiately, may or may not make it professionally, but does that really matter? Because they are growing very, very sizable audiences before they're even, you know, find like finding an agent if they need it because they know how to build a community. They probably already know how to monetize maybe. And so you think about this technology that really empowers creators, this industry within sports where like the profile of a professional athlete is changing drastically as you know, creator tools are really kind of creating a new profile of athlete. How will that change how athletes monetize? How will that change brand building, community engagement, monetization, all these things that are going to become second nature, I believe, to this generation of Gen Z athletes. It's super interesting because, you know, we, for so long, there has always been this kind of, um, and I don't even think trope is the word, but I think that there has been this almost like, um, 
archetype of the athlete as somebody who's capable of so much more than the non-athlete, which I think is fair. When you think about the lessons that you learn as an athlete, teamwork, leadership, hard work, perseverance, all of these really, really important qualities and characteristics that uh, I say as somebody whose sport was like dance team, you know, I I certainly didn't (laughs) like train as hard as anybody else, but being on a team, participating in some sort of a group activity that was athletic in nature, I think did teach me a lot that I still carry to this day, these big lessons to use all of those lessons to then create a community, to create a brand, to create something that could be a really big opportunity to become an entrepreneur is so compelling. With the idea of ownership specifically, what does Web3 do that Web2 cannot for athletes who are looking mm. to to make good on all of the potential that they have moving into that next phase of their career and of their lives? I think with Web3, it kind of creates a path for athletes that are not able to you know, reach that stardom. I think about the independent creator manifesto report that was put out like December last year. And I think they broke it down so clearly, clearly it was like in order to make it as a creator before you had to hit like the social media jackpot, I believe they called it. It's like, you had to go viral, hit hundreds of thousands of followers. And with the hopes, maybe, maybe I'll, you know, land a brand deal. Like maybe brands will come sponsor me. Maybe I can continue to monetize my hamster wheel of content that I am putting out in order to keep up with the algorithm and sustain my business, where with NFTs, you can build something that is profitable without having to reach that stardom, that fandom. And so what I when I think about athletes, it's like, you know, we're a year into NIL, um, a very small percentage of athletes have landed NIL deals. And so I think it even kind of speaks to um, the expectations of the market, the hype versus like the actual execution and what percentage of athletes are actually reaching that brand level that can be monetized through sponsorships sustainably and profitably. And another path for them is to think about direct models of monetization. I also always say I view Web3, I don't see it as either or, right? Like I don't see it as, you know, you can only do NFTs, you can't post your podcast because I'm not doing that. I'm still posting on Twitter because I know that getting distribution, building an audience is really important, but I know that I don't have to reach a huge, huge amount in order to begin monetizing. And I think that's something that will be um, empowering to a lot of athletes that have smaller audiences to know that they have an option to make it and monetize, basically. I think this hints a lot at the definition of success and how it's changed over the last you know, yeah. you could say a decade, I would argue it's even shorter than that. The idea that to be successful as a content creator, as an entrepreneur with some sort of community focus, that you had to just build the biggest possible audience is a very early 2010s attitude toward social media oh. success or community success. Today, it's a lot more niche. It's a lot more focused. It is, to your point, the 100 or sometimes the 1,000 true fans who really, really matter. To get to that point, of course, you need to to reach those people, which is certainly an uphill battle. Um, but it's an it's an interesting concept, I think, to to try to pinpoint exactly when that shift happened. Um, but to know that it's not one or the other, like you mentioned, it's not just you find 100 people who like you and you only talk to them, right? We have to <laughs> to have more nuanced approaches to the future of of tech, I think, more broadly. Um, but I I am curious, kind of. Bouncing off of the idea that, that you mentioned with, um, you know, the athlete who might have a podcast, but also do NFTs. 
What does that look like for the athletes that you or who you work with, um, the athletes who you know, even yourself included? What is the the Web3 use case for those athletes? It, you know, with NBA Top Shots was kind of my introduction to NFTs. And I think for a lot of people, that was the case. Is it something like that? Is it something different? What do these NFT or Web3 based projects mostly look like for the people with whom you work right now? The way that I view NFTs, at least for like an individual creator, is I think it should be used to integrate and enhance what you are doing. I think a lot of the missteps that we have seen with celebrity driven NFTs is that it's like launches this like side separate thing that isn't tied to the brand equity that they have already built um, or the community that they already have. You know, it's like they're launching a insert celebrities names verse, right? When it's like, wait, you, you kind of have developed this IP and this brand around you. So for me, I think about how can I leverage NFTs within my content business model to unlock different things at a premium, whether that's tying it to product sales, whether that's creating something that is more high priced and premium that unlocks access to me, right? So I really think about NFTs within a traditional business model as something that can enhance, but also the unlock with NFTs for me is that I think it's a way to like um, bring your community along in the growth of your brand, right? And so I think we, look at a lot of the NFT projects that launched this time last year, the ones that have made it that are now regarded blue chips, like they have opened up this new model of brand building that's really community driven, where those 10,000, 5,000 people that were a part of the brand at Mint on day one have also seen a reward from from being there, right? I think that's a, a you know, tough line to you know think about it's very nuanced for an individual creator and if we want that pressure of you know helping our community see financial return but i do think theoretically that is kind of a premise around the value of nfts or social tokens or things that can appreciate a value that are tied to a creator's brand yeah and to me that makes so much more sense than like i don't know bella hadid launching a bajillion nfts that (laughs) <laughs> don't really make a ton of sense, right? It's like Cyborg yeah. Bella Hadid. It, does that really add on to her brand? Not that she's, well, you know, the athlete comparison is is maybe lost there. But, you know, I think it's it's important to, to understand that the idea of NFTs or Web3 or DAO or, you know, insert any new tech buzzword here, it's not necessarily the end-all be-all. It's not necessarily a cure-all, I think is an important distinction to make that there have to be certain elements that are already present to really utilize this tech to its fullest capacity. But with that in mind, what about the times when the tech is not utilized to its full capacity? I mean, let's let's talk about the risks here. Um, you know, Web3 is, is obviously a concept in general that has been incredibly hyped um, and certainly sometimes for the better, oftentimes for the worse. I'm just curious what you think of when you think of, of the risks of betting on Web3 tech, uh, especially from from your position as somebody who who literally has like skin in the game, right? You're, you're doing this yourself. You are a creator yourself. What do you think about the risks? Do you consider them all that much? Yeah, yeah. so I, I think it's a balance. I think it's a balance between like being aware and like viewing things like objectively, aka like the market right now, it's, it's bad, right? But at the same time, I I really did enter this industry because I believe that fundamentally, this is where things will evolve over time. And so, uh, you know, like when I talk to other like founders and builders in the space, and, 
you know, I feel like everyone outside looking in is like, oh, wow, like their ish is probably blown up right now. Like they're probably scared. I feel like a lot of us are like, it's another day, right? Like we're like still building towards something that we believe will be valuable long-term. With that said, there absolutely are a lot of things to consider just like even entering the market. Um, I think one of the key risks is like education or uh, maybe like lack of education on like how to enter and participate in a way that is accessible um, and digestible to a broader audience. And I say that because I think in order for this industry to grow, it has to evolve beyond Web3 is a thousand true fans, right? Like it has to evolve beyond crypto Twitter and it really has to grow into something and different products and use cases that maybe even the person on the other end doesn't know it was an NFT that they bought. But the consumer experience was so much better or they were able to see a financial return or they were able to be a part of a community and you know build different types of connections through the process. And I think that's kind of the next step, like moving away from like I'm launching an NFT project to I'm launching a brand by the way it uses NFT technology, right? I think that's kind of like the next step. So I really think like a lack of education is one of the risks right now. Um, I also think there has definitely been like on like the celebrity side, what a really interesting dynamic is that like, celebrities are able to just come in and be like i'm here come buy my come buy my nft like the community does not mess with that at all and i think it's kind of like uh with, with web3 it's kind of like a i would say there's kind of like a protective mentality right like web2 we don't want you guys to enter web3 because like web2 is like evil sometimes is the energy and I think that is why some people may not feel as comfortable coming in because they are not sure how it will be received. And so I think another key step is like um, like empathy and like wel- welcoming new people and empathy and wanting to onboard legacy brands, legacy legacy celebrities in the in the right way into the space so that it can ultimately grow bigger. And the people that were there originally and have been doing it the right way and believe in the technology and understand why it's creating a better version of the brands and the businesses that we interact with um, still reap the rewards. So I think those are kind of the two things that I think about when it's like, how do we get from where we are right now to hopefully where it will go in the future? Absolutely. And I think this this has been one of my major learnings in having conversations like this one over the last year or so is this idea that. Web3 is more than just like the Bordeaux Yacht Club, you know, like the, the it is more than just yeah. these really famous or infamous NFT projects. Um, and I think sometimes we when and I have certainly been guilty of it when we make generalizations about the people who work in Web3 or what Web3 looks like or what these projects are, we're often only going to the flashpoints. We're not considering that mm-hmm. this is an entire yeah. industry that is still cropping up. Um, and so I think that that is, is just an important thing to remember but with you know with that kind of being said when we think about timing is this is this something that you have any sort of a take on right like when we get from that point where we are today which is um you know i'm launching an nft to i'm launching a brand and there might be nfts involved the example that you gave how long do you think that's going to take when do you see that that being reality i think hopefully when we come out of this current bear market 
Mm. I feel like things that will be a catalyst for the next bull run will be things like that. Um, I think it will be things that get us from like the euphoria that we were in before where it's, um, I'm, I'm launching an NFT, come buy this because it's an NFT to, I am launching like this business, this brand, it uses NFTs and it's better because of that. I think that is, that is when, and I do think that will be a catalyst for like this next, this like next bull run when we kind of come out of this downturn. Um, it, you know, generally, I feel like it's it's hard to tell, right? Like, it's not predictable, but I feel like like that's the exciting part about like being an entrepreneur. It's like maybe I'll be one of those to like help out. <laughs> like, yeah. We'll see. So, well, if I could put my money on anybody, it is you. Um, and you know, I, I I think that the lessons here are applicable to um, anybody, really, which is is part of why I love having conversations like this one because, like I mentioned not an athlete. Um, despite how many times people ask me if I played basketball or volleyball in college, the answer is always no. Uh, but the lessons, tall? yes, I am six feet tall. Um, oh, which, me too. Wow. Oh, nice. Tall girls. Yes. Tall girls. Yeah. I always, it's, it's always so embarrassing to be like, oh no, I, you know, did ballet. Like, yeah, yeah, no, this was just a total waste. Um, being in the 99th percentile for height. Uh, but you know, I think that despite the fact that I am a total disappointment to my athletes, parents, um, I can still learn lessons from this, right? Like the idea of personal branding and content creation and entrepreneurship, those are not, um, you know, things that that only athletes can pursue. Um, certainly there is a huge market for helping athletes to get to that point. But I hope anybody who's listening to this athlete or not, collegiate athlete or not, professional athlete or not, um, can take some of these lessons to heart and, and understand that there's a lot in our future, lots of big questions to ask, um, and certainly lots to uncover, Web3 and otherwise. Um, but this was a fantastic start. So Kirby, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I really uh, I really appreciate it. I love talking to you. Of course. You know, I was so excited to do this. So I, I hope we do it again, maybe on my podcast in the future. Yeah, absolutely. You know where to find me. 